0: I'm doing this stuff because it feels good because it feels harmonious <laughs> because I enjoy it because my body likes it and you know there are other elements of this obviously that have earth impact or less of it <laughs> in this case and you know I've had people ask me like oh why are you making this big sacrifice or why do you make it so difficult or why are you why do you torture yourself like that and I'm like what I've never felt more in tune with my body and more strong and healthy, you know, even in my mind and everything because of the way that I eat, because of the way that I'm living. And, and I really do enjoy it. Now, I also recognize that there's a kind of a hump that you have to get over. <laughs> that's the tough part. That's that gap, the mystery kind of between here and there and like, oh, is this going to suck? I don't know if I want to do that. I have too many other things going on. But I do think that's where we get those sweetest elements of life. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek,
1: and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge is hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you, hear their struggles, and then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. My second conversation with Jared and Gaza was recorded almost a year ago, just after launching the podcast. It's more conversational, less directed than I've done more recently. I think I've come a long way on focusing more But I'd love to hear listeners' reactions. It's also my old microphone, so the quality isn't quite as good. Jared has acted a lot more than most to live by his environmental values. So you get to hear someone not complaining, but acting. So he's taking personal responsibility, but also open that he's not figuring out some challenges. He's not exactly sure how to move ahead on some things. So how big changes should one take? Should you grow your own food? Should you move? Should you move your entire family? But then what about moving? Answering these questions is not obvious, and I think leaders openly discuss them and try to figure out what to do. They don't just say, I can't do it because of X. They say, well, X is a challenge. What do I do? Anyway, Jared and I have become really great friends over this time. I'm actually meeting him in person for the first time later today. I'm recording this after he's moved to San Diego, and longtime listeners will hear the contrast of someone before and after 100 recordings. So I'm curious people's thoughts. Anyway, let's listen to Jared.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. It's me, Joshua Spudek with Jared Gaza. How are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm excited to be on the podcast. Listen to your show last night, the first one, and it was excellent. I was sitting here working, doing some design stuff. So I put it on and I got sucked in, man. It was excellent. I'm so
1: glad to hear that. So for people who don't know, it's now December 1st and I gave myself a deadline, like finish it by November. And so like November 30th, 1159, I'm like, okay, it's ready to go.
0: (laughs) I remember when we were talking about this just a few months ago and you had a, a spark of an idea and now here you are. It's excellent. Yeah. And I credit you for, thank you very much because you're doing yours was like
1: one of the ones where uh, I felt like I could just open up and talk more freely. Cause before that it was a lot of like, here's my book and here's what I have to, but not really just sharing more what I would say openly and genuinely and
0: authentically. So thank you for Thanks. me. Yeah. Hey, it was a great one for me too. It was one of my earlier ones and I really enjoyed it. And yeah, so everyone out there, if you want to do a podcast, it's a great idea, but
1: it's, holy cow. It's not like you work like you break a sweat, but there's so many little nitty gritty detail things that it just takes a lot of work to do.
0: Yeah. Mine has suffered. Mine has ebbed and flowed a little bit because of that. You know, I have quite a few other projects, businesses, and just the production stuff. Again, it's not, no one part of it is that difficult, but all the parts together just, yeah, you got to wade through that.
1: Yeah. Although I love my, I make it a sit shot, I make it a pattern, one of my daily things, yeah. a little bit done. Now, before it was, there's this big jumble of like building the web page, interviewing new people, editing the old stuff. And it was all like one big jumble. And now I have a better sense of what, how it all fits together. And like now I don't have to build the web page. It's lots of yeah. editing and stuff to do, but it's mostly done. And now I can focus on interviews and getting out the back. I have like 50 interviews to get through. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've just, I mean, this podcast, is, okay, I haven't marketed yet, so maybe I'm doing a bad job of interviews, but assuming that's okay, it feels like people really get that there's something here that, of getting people to act and acting on their values, not being told what to do. I think it's really, no one's doing it and I think I'm tapping into something that's useful.
0: Well, I, just in listening to your show last night, obviously, I know it, it was your first one and so I'm sitting here thinking, like, he's going out into this territory. Is this unique? Is this different? And so on, you know, kind yeah, of taking helpful. that filter over. And helpful, Yes. And perhaps being helpful is somewhat unique sometimes in this space. But I I listened to it, thinking about it from that perspective and just thinking, this is different. You have engagement opportunities that you put together in terms of taking the challenge. You've got the webpage that you're putting up for that and taking it from that perspective as well. Those kind of action elements and getting engaged and you engaging your audience the way that you're doing, I think is important territory for a podcast that not a lot of people go out into. I'm looking for stuff like that to do with mine as well. But that engagement is what's so important, obviously, with what you're trying to do anyway, is the leadership in the environment. We want people to actually engage and actually do something, not just listen to it, check it off their list, and then go about their day. So I I love that you've got those kind of things incorporated. And obviously, you can't make everybody get up and move, but you can certainly put your best foot forward. And I can see you doing that. So cheers. So the goal is not
1: for me to get others to do it, but I think that there's a lot of people out there who want to do something and don't know how. Either they're not really sure what to do or they think, well, I could do this, but if the whole world doesn't do, then what's the point? So everyone listening right now, click on commit to a personal challenge and do something. And now we'll talk to Jared and we'll hear, Jared has been, if I remember right, you've been avoiding packaged food. Now, this is You have this challenge that a lot of people, I faced it really strongly with Elizabeth Colbert. I'm not sure if you heard that one yet. She's mm-hmm. done so much and she's so aware that it's hard for her to come up with the next thing. That's not just some trivial thing. Like if she says, "I'm not going to get coffee cups for a month." Well, she lives far enough away. You know, she just does her own. It's not so easy for her to do something new. Whereas if you're like someone with a Hummer who goes to McDonald's every day, it's like pretty quick and easy to figure something yeah. out. And so you're what way at the end of the Elizabeth Colbert end of of you've done a lot, but. Actually, you, if I remember, you said you would go to the big box stores to pick up a bunch of stuff.
0: You, you mean the bulk stores? Yeah. Yeah, we do that already. And my progression here has been, I've been a vegetarian most of my life, I've been vegan for the last few years. So there's all those kind of moves. So yeah, you're right. What's next? <laughs> Where do I go from here? And for us, I think the biggest thing, and, and we've been talking about this for a while, because, you know, I've been running creative agencies for a long time. Uh-huh. We end up doing packaging. I've had a conflict with that a few times. I was like, wait a minute, what am I doing? (laughs) Creating a package. It's beautiful, but I don't even believe in this. That was probably three years ago, I guess, when I kind of had that epiphany and also consequently stopped doing packaging (laughs) design. And the interesting thing too is now I'm interested in a lot of this reusable packaging. So you have one thing that you use and you go and you take it to the grocery store and so on. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that. That's another angle. It's another way of looking at kind of the same thing. But for me, and I should say not just for me, but for my family of five, We have our five in the house still. It's a, you know, I have little ones and buying bulk and things is is important and Costco, that kind of stuff or whatever, it comes into play when we're living in the United States. And it's lots of big packaging stuff, and, and we're like, well, okay, what are we gonna do about that? Man, with this challenge to pick up where we left off last time. Yeah, I'm very <laughs> interested to hear. Yeah. Well, ch- challenge it was, my friend, <laughs> and continues. The saga continues. But I'll start with, <laughs> with where we're at. The first thing, you know, talking to my wife about this, and she's aligned with me in this perspective of our impact on the planet and our relationship with the planet. So. We know that it's the next thing. For us, having a family with little, little ones have two two-year-olds and a five-year-old in the house. And we, you know, it's tough. So the inconvenience part is the part that cramps people up a lot of times, but we've been pretty deliberate for most of our lives. So it's just, for us, it's like, okay, well, that's what we're going to do. How are we going to do it? Rather than, are we going to do it? So we've started walking through that. I would say that in general, we've reduced our packaging by about 30%. Since I talked to you last, I wanted to do more. But here's some interesting stuff that came up along the way, (laughs) you know, because I'm analyzing as we go. And obviously, I'm truly interested in this venture that you're going out into and and talking about leadership in the environment. So this is making us think (laughs) even further, not just about our eating habits, but about where we live. You know, I've lived out of this country for a quarter of my life or whatever, the last 12 years. And now we're back here. We're outside of Nashville, Tennessee, my hometown, out in the sticks (laughs) where everybody's got a monster truck and they shop at Walmart and that's it. There's Mm -hmm. no other place to shop. So what do we do? Being the conscious people that we are, (laughs) we drive an hour into town and go to Trader Joe's and Sprouts and whatever. And and those are great places. I really appreciate a lot of them, especially Sprouts. We get all our stuff in bulk. We just, we have our own little reusable bags and stuff. But I have to use an hour of fossil fuels there and an hour back. Yeah. So that's not a long-term solution either. I mean, maybe it's a little better, but who knows? So I think, okay, well, we've got to do better than that. What's the next step? So in doing that, in light of the fact that it's also the end of the year and it's the time that we're planning for our future for next year and things like that, we've been talking for probably the last three years, I guess, very seriously about our next big move being into a farm situation and growing our own food and doing that, taking it to that next level, especially in light of where our kids are at. We want them to kind of grow up with that. Now, we did some of that this year. I'd say we grew about 15% of our food or whatever. And that was great. So we got a taste of that. It was wonderful. And we want to do more of that. Now, it's interesting. This little challenge that I took of yours has now transformed into us saying, you know what? We've been talking about or moving into this farm situation. And I think we're looking at Hawaii, Kauai specifically, but that's another part of the story. But we're looking at this and saying like, what kind of food do we like? Because we've been in tropical areas for a long time. Mm -hmm. Our kids grew up on mangoes and avocados and things like that. And it's delicious. And I can get it at the restaurant, but it came with a price. (laughs) A lot of fossil fuels, a lot of supply chain that brought it there. So I can't really justify doing that. I can't really justify eating a watermelon in December or whatever, February. So in these parts, so I'm looking at that and saying, all right, let's look at where we want to be, the kind of environment we want to be in, the kind of food we want to eat and things like that. And if that means somewhere else, then let's go there and do that rather than living in this place and trying to kind of superimpose those things because there is a price to be paid for the planet to do that. And yeah, I can't really justify doing that anymore. So... Rather than just sitting here and say, well, we're out in the sticks, we can't eat those things anymore. But well, let's look at where we want to be and hunker down there, take care of our community there and grow our food there and so on and so on. So this whole thing has <laughs> made us look at, first of all, we're studying the zero waste movement and really, really pushing towards that as a family, no matter where we are. And second of all, looking at where might we go? Where this would be easier lifestyle kind of situation where we don't have to force it so much. The more you have to force it, the less likely it is to sustain itself. So I want to be in the flow. So we're looking at that now and kind of moving up our dates to next year, 2018, for moving, for being more integrated into the land like that. And hopefully never having to use any packaging at all. Anyway, that's where we're at. I mean, (laughs) all of that came from you and I talking and having this discussion and we're pushing up plans, man. (laughs) Well I'm very happy to be
1: amid your talking about these challenges and how do you answer these difficult questions and how do you balance different things and these values. I'm happy to have played a role in instigating the change because you know what you're talking about is the challenge is i say it's facing the systems that that's the big challenge it's not like a trip here or there it's And pardon me that living in New York City, I don't know if you can hear that siren in the background, (laughs) Uh, talking about places where you live and the ups and downs of them. Although (laughs) when I go to get my farmer's market stuff, it's a 10 minute walk and it's lush,
0: amazing stuff. I thought about that when I was going through this thought process on my side. and thinking, well, you're in New York City and a lot of our close friends are in New York City. And I've lived there for months at a time during different projects. And I know you can walk right down the street and it's easy and it's right there. And I love that. It's not always like that, obviously. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, it got <laughs> trucked in and I've been talking more and more about how at some point I'm going to go to my co-op board and talk to putting, there's a lot of space on our roof and I want to put, I guess I'll have to get some dirt up there somehow and. I'm going to have to get permission and then start gardening up there.
0: Cause I can send you a couple of groups that will help you out with that, by the way, in New York city.
1: Yeah. Put me in touch because might want it, to on much. my own, I'm so busy. But if I got you going, so if you start getting me going, then it, it'll help things happen faster. <laughs> Sweet. So there's a couple of things that come to mind. All right. Yeah. The old system has its old values of like, you know, driving's no big deal and such big joy. So enjoy the driving. But yeah. the stuff coming out of the tailpipe is maybe invisible, but it's still there. And also you're, the challenge that you're facing is common. I think of, there's several things that you said that I think a lot of people listening are like, I don't know if I want to do this. It's maybe too much work. But once you get started, it's really, I'm reading that you're like, yeah, these are the challenges that I want in life. Yes. That I mean, you know, I was walking down the street the other day, coming home and, you know, I pick up at least one piece of garbage per day. And that makes me more conscious of how much garbage there is around the streets. And it hit me. Mm-hmm. Why is there so much garbage? People don't value stuff, like all these things that we throw away. We don't care about it. We give gifts that we enjoy for like five seconds and then it's been off to the landfill or just in the, its clutter. And we haven't mm-hmm. gotten the idea that Like, let's just drop this stuff, stuff. It was fine when nothing was made out of plastic. There was only like a billion people on the planet, but it doesn't work anymore. And people keep asking every time now when someone asks me my address, I write them back and I say, here's my address. But if you were going to mail me something that's going to end up in a landfill, my big passion now is avoiding that. And I believe that it's the thought that counts. That's what I was taught when I was a kid. I really believe it. And if you're trying to represent emotion with something material, then I prefer the emotion and Mm -hmm. I don't need the material. And some people are getting it, but I think we don't... It's an
0: important time of year to be talking about that, obviously.
1: I agree. Yeah. And we don't value stuff. And so that's why we're giving it all away and dropping it on the street. And if you don't value something, just don't accept it in the first place. Don't get it.
0: We have to get off of autopilot and just going through the motions, especially with Christmas stuff. I mean, that's a good example. Eating and Christmas, they're very habitual. It's just like things that we do. There's expectations, there's processes, there's habits there's family pressures there's friend pressure you know, there's things like that and i don't i'm not being debbie Towner on christmas christmas is great but the traditions especially in america with the consumerism and, and so on it's like okay we have all we have you know these family members x amount we have to do this many gifts we have to do this and there's like this checklist and i'm all about gift giving that's fine but again what you're saying i agree that we have to be more conscious about the gifts that we're giving and also asking like does this actually fit with my lifestyle my ethos my principles and values that i carry on every day Am I just, because it's Christmas time, I'm just stepping outside of all of that just so that I can kind of be normal.
1: (laughs) Yeah, last year I was walking around New York and I just said one block, this was like December 30th or something. It was after Christmas and I'm walking on the street and I'm like, all right, I'm going to take a picture of every Christmas tree being thrown out. Not even every, just a bunch of Christmas trees that are on the street to be collected. And there's like all these pictures I put up on my blog then, and then I did it again now. And then I was like, Christmas tree, all right, that's a tradition, but what does it have to do with Jesus being born? Because there weren't fir trees in Bethlehem. <laughs> that's a pagan ritual. Yeah, I mean, well, I looked it up. It's yeah. a pagan thing from not Christianity that Christianity started using, but it's not a Christian thing. And so people are doing this pagan thing. And I'm like, all right, that was a tradition for a certain context. We are in a new context and that tradition maybe it's time for a new tradition because that one was a new one and it certainly has nothing to do with some guy being born in Bethlehem.
0: Yeah. How well, our traditions Christmas have been morphed around economic.
1: Just let the forest grow.
0: <laughs> well, I think we should be planting a tree every Christmas. Not, oh, you know, yeah. It I'm 40 years old, whatever. I've never had a, I think maybe when I was a kid, we had a live tree maybe once or twice, but we haven't had a live tree since I was four or five years old. And even as an adult now in, in my household and so on, my hippie friends and they're like, oh man, you got a fake tree. What's up with that? And I'm like, Are you kidding me? I didn't cut a tree down (laughs) for a month to sit in my house. I couldn't imagine just going and cutting a tree down for that kind of purpose. That, you know, maybe if it was for my shelter for that year, fine. But it just seems so ridiculous. And I think that's another good testament of how far removed we are from all of this. And just kind of, we've detached, I think, from some of these traditions and they just kind of rule us. It's the time when we allow ourselves to just like kind of set our values to the side. Because it's Christmas, it's the season. (laughs) The thing is that when the point of this podcast, the point of this podcast is if you examine
1: your values and find the ones that you're not living by and usually it's comfort and convenience, just going with the flow of the system of the mainstream stuff, then it improves your life to question these things and then not just question, but to act on them and breaking traditions or changing traditions. When I was going up, my mom, my sisters and I, we love my mom's apple pie. And when I learned about hydrogenated oils, I was like, I can't eat that stuff anymore. I can't eat the crust that's made with Crisco. And my mom was like, Josh, Crisco makes the flakiest crust. And I was like, okay, I'm not eating it. And I'm sorry. Like, I I love your pies, but I just don't have it in me to eat all that hydrogenated oil in the crust. And she was really annoyed. But you know what this year, she's doing it on her own. She was really annoyed at me. And she really wasn't happy about that. But now she's like, yeah, I'm not making those pies. I can't do that anymore either. I was like, do you remember how angry you were? She's like, yeah, she doesn't want to bring that up, (laughs) but she's choosing I have some similar situations with my mother. (laughs) She's choosing on her own. And now I have to be nice to my mom also, because one time my two sisters and I, we were sitting there talking about how this is years ago. We were just sitting there at some table talking about how when we go to friends or out or whatever, we never get apple or cherry pie because it's always disappointing relative to my mom's. (laughs) And we're all like, yeah, we, the three of us were like, yeah, it's just, they're so disappointing. And we look
0: over at my mom who's at the other end of the table and she's like floating up in the air. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was like, oh, my pies, my children love my pies.
0: Yeah. I grew up from 15 years old on and my, I have a younger sister, three years younger, and my older brother, three years older. All of us went veggie, vegetarian at the same time. And this was 20 years ago or so. And my poor mother had to learn how to cook vegetarian um. and never done it in her life. My parents have never been vegetarian. Now they don't eat a lot of meat, but they've never been straight up vegetarian. And a lot of us are vegan now in the family. So Anyway, yeah. God bless our moms. <laughs>
1: so I think a lot of people listening are thinking, do I want to get into this? Do I want to deal with this? It's so much easier not to. And I put to you that these are the questions that it leads to deeper relationships with your mom, that sort of thing. Of like, yeah. The example I often do is if you walk out in the morning and your feet get wet and you walk around all day with wet socks, then at the end of the day, when you take them off, it feels really good. And you realize, oh man, those have been bothering me all day, except it's your deepest values yeah. and your conscience as opposed to just a little bit of your feet. And once you take them off, once you take off the wet socks, you're like, man, I wish I'd done that before. And then you start thinking of all the other uncomfortable things that you've been allowing yourself to stomach. And you're like, that's why like, we're talking about pies and we're talking about travel and we're talking about all these different things. And all these little details start becoming important and meaningful.
0: mm mm-hmm. And and I think most people are just not aware that they've got wet socks on or that they could take them off if they
1: do. And once you take them off, you just, this is so much better.
0: You get a taste of it. Yeah. And that that helps to build some momentum.
1: A couple of thoughts with yours is that, so when you talk about going to Hawaii, you know, I've been not flying for a long time and I'm thinking a little while ago, I was thinking, am I ever going to see Paris again? I lived there for a Mm -hmm. while. I really love it. And am I going to taste Thai food in Thailand? Because I love Thai food in Thailand. It's my favorite. And at first it's what you're not doing. And then you think, what can Mm -hmm. I do? And I started looking to, there's freight boats that you can take. And now unlike an airplane, the freight boat really was just going to go like an airplane that takes passengers. It's only going to go if enough passengers go. So every little bit that you provide is like you're contributing to it. Freight boats a little less so, but you're still paying for it. But then I started looking at sailboats and I don't know if I'm ever going to do this. I don't know, but people sail across the Atlantic. It's not like a rare thing. And I've been mentioning it to people here and there. First is kind of like a, this kind of not pipe dream, but just this, Wacko! Even for me, thinking like it's kind of weird—not weird, but am I ever really going to do this? And a lot of people are coming back to me and saying spontaneously, "Like that sounds like the trip of a lifetime." Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'm going to puke a lot over the side, but <laughs> I haven't spent time on water in a long, long time. But it's really interesting. Like I'm curious if you're thinking about how you get to Hawaii because five people—we we talked flight, about that a lot.
0: Honestly, yeah, um, and we've looked at you know alternative as activists and humanitarians living in Africa and all over the world and everything obviously we've explored some alternative routes for travel <laughs> mainly just financially back then it was the issue but the When we're looking at these alternative ways to travel, like what we're talking about now, I think that's important. Obviously, you know that the freight liner going across the Atlantic is obviously a lot of fossil fuels being burned. But as you said, it's going to be going anyway, and it wouldn't normally be transporting a person like what you're saying and so on. And then with a sailboat, you've got virtually none. And I really like that idea. We've looked at the option of doing kind of a freight scenario, especially if we were to take a container or if we were to take our stuff there or whatever, and just doing that as like a family adventure. And I think that'd be really cool. So we are exploring that as well. In terms of the airplane thing too, that's been another discussion that you and I had ages ago. And that's, it's been a big one for me. We've traveled so much now or we've lived all over the world and so on. But it, not usually traveling a lot during those times. I mean, even then when I was living in Africa, I only really flew like once or twice a year, maybe. Now it was a big flight all the way back to the States. But now I think in the last or year and a half, I guess, I think I maybe have flown once or twice. I was up in Boston recently for business stuff and a friend. And that was it. Just like once. <laughs> so we're flying less and less and thinking more and more about less and less travel like that, or that kind of travel with an airplane and looking more and more about like, hey, man, we've got stuff right here. We're in Tennessee. It's, there's all kinds of stuff here. We need to take advantage of that and quit being acting so privileged, <laughs> going other places, go to another state that's two or three hour flight away to experience something that I could probably go down the street and experience as well. So for us being, you know, the adventurers and travelers, that's another aspect that we have to really look at as well and say, hey, let's be real about this.
1: Yeah. It's uh, talking about enjoying what you have. This past winter, I have probably said this to you before, but I'll say it again. I love talking about this. Is that This past winter was when things started coming together with my cooking. That's when I really started enjoying the stuff. Like I go to the farmer's market and what I used to be like, I don't know what that stuff is. Kohlrabi, parsnips, rutabaga, beets, turnips, and that stuff grows here. And before, I mean, I, first of all, I would not go to a farmer's market in January or February or March because... I didn't even go in the summer. And when I went in the summer, it would I just buy like the bread and stuff that the stuff that was still processed. Yeah. And now, oh man, I love the feeling. I look at other people buying their like processed stuff and they get the cheese and the maple syrup and stuff. And I'm like, that's pretty cool to get. I got no problem with that. But I'm getting stuff that's, you know, still dirt covered in the roots.
0: That's my favorite. I always pick out the nastiest looking vegetables, like the ones that are all mangled and nobody's going to pick up. Those are the ones I want to bring in my home.
1: <laughs> yeah. For me, actually, it's funny you mentioned that because it was when I was getting horseradish and I was like, what is that? It's, I mean, it's just some root. but Yeah, we make it. And yeah. up until then, I thought when I, my sister got me into this stuff and she would like point out all these different things and like, oh, now this stuff is in season. That's in seasons. So I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I see what you're pointing at, but I don't know what it is. And now when you don't know 99% of it, you're swimming in, what do I do? But when you know 90% of it, 99% of it, then when you see something new, you think, ah, now I have one little variable. I can put that in and see how that affects everything else. So I could get the horseradish and experiment. Like, is it better in salads? Is it better in soups? Is it better? Like, do I spice up something that's already spicy or I just give a hint? And you play around with these things. And that to me, you know, no one taught me this stuff. Maybe I'll take a class one day to learn it more. But when you said, I mean, if you like tropical stuff, then, you know, and you want to stay I like the, what you're saying. It's like staying in one place. I'm like, I like the sound of that. Not that, I mean, there's also other kinds of travel.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we want to do a lot of boat travel, by the way. That was another thing we talked about. Yeah,
1: I want to hear about it when you do it. So I
0: can. Yeah, I know. When I was, when you were talking about it, I was like, hey man, call me up. I'll, <laughs> I'll go with you. But we, like, we've talked about that a lot. My wife and I have talked about kind of later on when the kids are a little bit older, doing a sailing adventure with the kids and so on. We've talked about later on, we wouldn't mind doing like a, a year or two out on the, On the water, but we're looking at all kinds of alternatives. You know, you and I talk about this, and I'm having, you know, we're obviously having conversations with this with everyone we meet. And I find that, I don't know, it's just an interesting disconnect where the food thing seems to, and I realize it's a big discussion now. But it's for so long been this other thing that we don't talk about, like the food thing. It's like, oh, we, we do that over there. But I'm an environmentalist and I volunteer for Greenpeace or whatever. And I'm like, well, that's great. But what about your eating habits? Why is that such a taboo thing to get into? Because it's so habitual. It's like Christmas. It's like, don't mess with Christmas, man. And don't mess with my eating. Or <laughs> I'm like, what? Or flying. Yes, that's you're right. That's another really big one. And I think that's like, I get it. I get it. Totally get it. I mean, and again, I understand I'm also human. I am also driven to some extent, maybe lesser (laughs) by a desire for comfort and safety and all those kind of things, convenience. But at the same time, I also recognize like you and I talk about a lot that these disciplines in our lives are what bring us kind of the sweetest elements of life as well. And they bring in conversations that we wouldn't normally have. And, And in your case, you know, coming close to your mother, actually mine as well. But the thing is, is that people look at this and say, okay, this lifestyle is going to be much more difficult and it's going to be a sacrifice. You know, I'm fasting right now. We're not currently on a long fast right now, but fasting is part of my practice. I fast from like eight o'clock at night until noon every day, the next day. And then I eat a little bit for lunch and then I have an early kind of dinner or whatever and then I don't eat again. I usually don't even eat after like seven. But I'm doing this stuff because it feels good. Because it feels harmonious, <laughs> because I enjoy it, because my body likes it. And, you know, there are other elements of this obviously that have earth impact. And or less of it <laughs> in this case. And you know, I've had people ask me, like, oh, why are you making this big sacrifice? Or why do you make it so difficult? Or why do you torture yourself like that? And I'm like, what? I've never felt more in tune with my body and more like strong and healthy, even in my mind and everything because of the way that I eat, because of the way that I'm living. And, and I really do enjoy it. Now, I also recognize that there's a kind of a hump that you have to get over. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's the tough part. And that's that gap, the mystery kind of between here and there. And like, oh, is this going to suck? I don't know if I want to do that. I have too many other things going on. But I do think that's where we get those sweetest elements of life. And we found that with our family, changing up some of the eating traditions, changing up a lot of the holidays. I mean, I teach American Indian ways and culture and principles and so on. So obviously, there are a few particular holidays. We don't celebrate (laughs) the same in our family, but we transform them into holidays that are beautiful and that do really have meanings, I guess, that are really beautiful for our family. And I think everybody can do that. For instance, for Christmas... You'll appreciate this, I think. A lot of our Christmas gifts, rather than just giving the obligatory gift scenario, checking it off the list. You know, there are some gifts that are things we know that each other want. We've been talking about it for a long time and they're very intentional and so on. But for people outside of our immediate family, we're looking at giving gifts of kind of little kits for helping people navigate this space easier. Not just random people, but friends that we know that are looking at this and saying, look, I want to eat more deliberately. I want to have less of a negative impact on the earth and so on. So we're saying, cool, Here, Merry Christmas. (laughs) Here's a little gift. Here's a bunch of resources. Here's a bunch of links. Here's a bunch of how-tos and and fun things like that. And my wife does a lot of this anyway, and she's really, really good at it and making these things really user-friendly and cool and fun. And she's done wonders in our kitchen to transform the way we eat I can't imagine eating differently than what we do now where it's this organic food. It's wonderful. She comes up with all these creative recipes. They're amazing things like uh, the minimalist baker, you know, and she, I think all the recipes are like five ingredients in like 10 minutes and they're all vegan and they're amazing. It's changed our kitchen. Thanks for that. And Food 52 is one that helped out and Clean Plates is another one that I get, the newsletter and and then there's this Trash for Tossers girl, Laura Singer, whatever. She's zero waste in New York, by the way. Yeah, she also, and I haven't met her in person yet, but... Um, oh, cool. Yeah, she's, um, uh, and she was one of the ones that we discovered a couple months ago when you and I were talking about this originally. And so we've been following her and... And we're doing some of those methods that she uses. We're then transplanting into our gifts for other people here and saying, look, here's some ways that you can make this easier. And it's not here's some ways that you can sacrifice and hopefully you'll have a less negative impact on the planet. It's here's some things that are really amazing and have really brought so much life into our family. I hope it does for you too. (laughs) So we just have to change the way we're looking at it. But I think we've got to start to question some of these traditions that we have, the way that we eat in our holidays (laughs) that have eating and consumerism attached to them as most of them do in the United States. There's no reason. And we don't have to burn it all down. That's the thing that I think a lot of people get caught up in. It's like, oh, you just want to kill Christmas. I'm like, no, it's why don't we just let it evolve with us as humans into something that is more beneficial for us humans and our planet. And I applaud that strategy.
1: My strategy is get people experiencing these little things. Like You're already well along your path of asking these questions and thinking about what you can do and change. A lot of people aren't. Even though you are, it's still reducing your waste that you're getting by 30% is instigating a lot of other change and accelerating change. And that to me, have I told you this part that a lot of people say, there's all these things out there. If you search the internet, 10 tips that I can do to reduce to, to 10 green tips. If you type that in, you'll get hundreds yeah. of thousands of possible things that you could do, right? It's not getting the, pe- the people who are doing them are people who are going to do it anyway. And to me, doing little tips doesn't add up to very much. It adds up to a lot of little things. But what's really important is the action. Because once you start acting on something, you know, it's a difference between, if you're listening to music and just listening to music totally passively, there's some enjoyment to it. But if you even just tap your toes, there's more to it. You start enjoying it much more. And if you were to say, dance a little bit and sway or move a little bit, then it's much more of an active experience. Listening to music when you're dancing is so different than passively listening to it.
0: I agree. You know, well, I think the question the is, how do you get dance. someone to tap their toes?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that's what this podcast is about. To me, one thing is to bring in influential people because influential people, people are influenced by them. And I think that's, that that's- Yeah,
0: celebrity has led our society since the day we came into existence.
1: <laughs> and I want to get, I'd love to have Elon and Larry and Sergey and Oprah and Serena and all these people on and I'd love to have, I don't know, Zuckerberg say, you know, maybe I didn't need those 700,000 square foot houses. Maybe I'll just drop down to one or something like that. And then when someone with $10 billion is not flying a 737 all the time, then the one with 1 billion has got to ask themselves, what am I trying to prove here when I have more than the person who actually has more money than me? I think yeah. that to me is how, if you don't change the people who are the most influential. So it's not just people with the most money, but it could be people with the most Oscars or people who win the championships. And you know, there's various ways that people are, that make it to the front pages of the newspapers and magazines and so forth. If they don't change, then ever, you can change all you want among others, but eventually people are like, well, I still want to be like that. Likewise. So I want to access them and get them to change because then I think others will follow. But how do you get them to change? You know, you look at fashion. I think the people at the top of the social hierarchies, they tend to do stuff that's different than the people in the middle of them. And the people in the middle of them tend to follow the people at the top. So what do the people at the top do? They do like street fashion. You know, they follow what people are the kind of interesting people on the street. And so I want to work with the street fashion people too. Is getting people who do the new things and people like you who are just going out of their way ahead of time to find out what are the new traditions that we can create. And so I think we need to work it at all levels, but I definitely want to go for the influential people. And I Absolutely. definitely want to get the masses to, for it to be normal. And the view is it's not sacrifice. It's whatever you think of it being sacrifice and deprivation. Once you get started, once you start tapping your foot, it's like, Hey, this is kind of fun. This is And for me, delicious is the main, by far the biggest thing. Saving money, building community. These are all other things. But it's delicious is a top one. And I don't know anyone who doesn't like delicious.
0: I agree. Part of what we're talking about here is that the average Joe, I think, and I'm not necessarily separating myself from that. We all need it at different levels, I think. But all of us, we, to some degree, need in our lives some again, at various levels, but some sort of authority or someone that we trust or or whatever, to kind of say, it's okay. Or I think you're going in the right direction. And you're like, okay, now I feel good about going in that direction or now I'm inspired to go in that direction or whatever. And and when we see one of our heroes or celebrities or whatever that adopts a different kind of lifestyle habit or eating habit or whatever, and they talk about an interview and then we're like, oh, maybe that's a good idea. The other thing is, oh, I'm exploring this in my life and thinking about not flying as much or being more deliberate about the way I eat and so on. And then you hear one of your celebrity, the people that you admire or whatever, and they're saying, oh, I'm doing this. And you're like, oh, good. I'm not crazy. This is a good idea. Never mind the anthropological kind of psychological discussion around that. But there is a, that's an important dynamic. I mean, I, you know, as an activist, I've been trying to figure out how to create movements and understanding human behavior 20 years now. And, and that's, you know, applies in the brand world and, and it applies in the humanitarian philanthropic world to understand human behavior, understand why we do the things that we do and how we compel people to act. And man, I don't know that I've found any other ways that are as strong and lasting as using celebrity influence. And I realize it's it's kind of crazy. I've written a lot about this over the years, about celebrity philanthropy and so on. And people balk at that quite a bit. And I'm like, well, that seems like a pretty good trend. Could be going another direction. Uh, Even if they're not, quote unquote, doing it right or the way that you would, it still seems like a good idea to go in that direction. And I think direction is important. <laughs> so there's power in that. We're led by religious figures and by Hollywood figures and political figures and other pop media and all that. And if we can influence in the campaigning and marketing world, when I'm creating campaigns, I'm always talking about using, you know tapping into the, some stream that's already flowing, you know, a news stream that's already flowing, or into someone that's popular in the media or whatever to try and piggyback off of their success or or their notoriety or whatever. These things make sense in the business world all the time. We've got to apply it to the philanthropic world. We've got to apply it to our relationship with the planet and relationship to each other as well. All of these things are interconnected, obviously. Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone?
1: Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable, join the growing community of people who care enough to act not just talk, read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. I want to throw on that I'm not just using the celebrity people. My view is that first guests on my show, I think it, this is designed to make them look good. Now, if someone doesn't value the environment or if their values are different than mine, they might not make such a great guest. Although I do want to have some people deny who don't believe in climate change and things like that. Yeah. Not that we don't have enough things with pollution and mercury and the food supply and all these other things. You know, you cannot believe in climate change and still have a lot to work on here, but Mm -hmm. this is designed to make people look good. I'd love to have people on for them, like take on a challenge. If it's easy, great. People are going to follow. And I'm saying this, if like you're some Oscar winner and you could be on the show or you're Oprah or whatever, then either it's easy, in which case, people are going to follow and hopefully they'll see, oh, you can, like, I'm sure these big celebrities and well-known people and influential people have lots of things that they could change. And they probably want something to instigate them too. And I want to make it easy for them. Or it's challenging for them, in which case they sound more genuine and authentic. And it's designed to make the only, it only wouldn't look good if someone comes on and really just gives up or I don't see that happening. I mean, they're choosing their own, so far it hasn't happened. And so it's not like I'm using them. I want to give them an opportunity to be the leaders. And I think in the long run, I would love to have some of them be the Nelson Mandelas, the Thomas Jeffersons, like the fathers and mothers, not of a nation like those guys were, but of the new way we look at things. If we're going to make it through the sea levels rising and hundreds of millions of people displaced from their homes and things like that, it's going to be from changing our models from more, more, more to enough, enjoying what we have and enjoying more what we have than what we were getting out of this craving. and that it's not all about me, that we have to, you know, a lot of stuff take into account others. And frankly, that's one of the biggest improvements of my life is responsibility and accountability based in empathy for other people. Yes, it means that I can't do things I used to be able to do. When I was a kid, I could do lots of things that I can't do now because I wasn't responsible. Responsibility has made my life better, not worse. I'm much more happy to do the things that I'm doing now that I'm accountable for and that I'm responsible for than I was running around and just thoughtlessly doing things when I was a kid. And I think most people like that. I think most people prefer. Yeah, it's kind of nice to say all the privilege and none of the responsibility, but I think ultimately it's a deeper, more resonant joy, emotional reward, deliciousness that comes from responsibility, accountability, empathy, compassion. I think I'd rather be full of empathy than full of hydrogenated oil. (laughs)
0: that's a great t-shirt um (laughs) i agree (laughs) well what you're talking about is you're we're talking about a a normal situation right like a a new normal situation which is a interesting conversation and i want
1: to give these influential people i want them to be on the forefront they could be it's like every couple thousand years you have shifts like this they could be really if they're thinking legacy or they're thinking what mark they leave and how people view them it's a really big opportunity for them i think it could be awesome for them
0: that's what I, I give them. This is well, the and, and those end up being the people, that people that step out that way and challenge the normal or whatever. I mean, that to me is what opens up the way for our furthering our human evolution. When we challenge our normal and say, wait, could we do this better? I mean, we do that in other areas in our life, but there are some areas that are kind of like the sacred cow. Like we don't go there for some reason, like eating and traveling, plane, you know, using airplanes and so on. And I think you and I have talked about this a lot just as a general concept, but it always comes back up of it. People just don't believe that for instance, just an easy example like with me being vegan or plant-based whatever, and I have a conversation with someone and typically I only have a conversation if they bring it up i 'm not out there evangelizing typically in that regard, but you know if they bring it up i'm like well yeah it's actually better and it's easier and then whatever and they 're like no it's not you cannot convince me of that and that to me has been my challenge as an activist to say, okay well, how do we affect someone's perspective at that perspective that deep perspective level, their hardwiring their beliefs and The way they see the world, the worldview. How do we affect them at that level, such that it does compel them to change their behavior or act differently?
1: That's what. Yeah, starting with little things and having people on guests to share. And actually, I should get back to asking you if you've reduced your packaging by a bunch. What have you replaced it with? But also, I want to say right now, anyone Mm. who's listening to this now, if you're near New York City, come by. I will make you a one of my famous vegetable stews. And when you taste it, that like I think probably every single person has come over has liked this stuff and been surprised to the point where they say, what'd you put in this? And I'm like, you saw me put every single ingredient in here. And they're like, well, where's the oil? Where's the, you know, all the stuff that, and I'm like, you just saw it. It's the vegetables. And I think that experience, that's why I want people acting, not because little things add up to big things. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but action leads to experience, which leads to changing how you look at things, how you believe things. And then you start realizing like rutabagas are really delicious. And there may be other ways and maybe I'm not going to affect as many people as others do, but this is one way I believe that it works. I can't make dinner for everyone, although I'd like to, but getting people to do their things that for them will be their delicious. And then they share it with the people around them. I really want this to, it's about joy. It's about delicious. And when you do that, when you experience that, then you share it with others. That's what I want to get going. And that's why I want this list of personal challenges to keep growing. And why I say, start with your values, not with other people telling you what to do, if you don't value it, you know, well, you're not going to be hearing my voice right now. You would have been disgusted by a year in my conversation. Yeah. If you value it and something's holding you back, find something you care about and act on that, however small. And after you start tapping your toes, it's not that big of a leap to start dancing, but you enjoy every step of that way. So I don't know if that's the big answer to everything there of what you were saying, but it's the answer that I'm going with. It's like, it's joy. It's fun. It's Yes, it looks like deprivation and sacrifice from your perspective now. But you don't like that perspective. You know that there are problems with it because we don't want to have wars over water and Zika viruses all over because of the population density and so forth.
0: Yeah. Well, and obviously in looking at what you're doing and what I'm doing and what other people are doing, obviously it only works if we all make our unique contribution in different ways and whatever, because we're all going to affect people in different ways and people need to be affected in different ways and so on. They respond to that. So yeah, I think all of this is a very, very multi-pronged effort. But to go back to the packaging thing with us.
1: Yeah. What I are think you doing? What's well, the
0: positive the bi- side of it? I mean, I, I think it's all generally positive, but I think the biggest, maybe the biggest takeaway for us in this, yeah, I'm kind of thinking through it, but I think the biggest one is, here's the thing. Okay. So Jared's using too much packaging. He thinks, <laughs> what's Jared going to do about that? That was the question, right? So for me, the immediate thought, you know, just kind of the lizard brain was like, well, i just need to figure out a way to replace this packaging. That's one way. And we did some of that. We have all these little mesh, organic little bag things that we use for all the bulk stuff. And then we have all of our own grocery bags. We don't use, we don't get any grocery bags coming in this way, like the plastic ones or anything or or even paper. And same thing with a lot of other packaging. Like I never put my produce like in a plastic bag or something. I haven't done that even when we didn't have bags, (laughs) alternatives. So one part of that little dance is, is there an alternative packaging scenario that I can use? Yes, there is. And for most things, and, and we're doing that. We're doing a little bit of that before and now we just stepped up our game. So cool. The other thing that happened though is recognizing that I live in an area that requires me, if I'm going to be in harmony with the planet, to eat seasonally. That makes sense. I can give all kinds of reasons for why that's a good thing to do. But for us as a family, we say, okay, fine, I get that. So where do we want to (laughs) live where we can harmoniously consume the types of food that we want to consume? So if I like eating those seasonal elements in the United States, in the South, then I do that. Or maybe it's in the North, or maybe it's in the West, or maybe it's in Hawaii in our particular case, or or some other kind of tropical environment. And that's where we thrive. We like to be in tropics, period. So with that, it's really making us say kind of two things. One, where do we want to be that fits the harmonious eating lifestyle that we want best? Because the more you flow, the easier it is and so on. The second part of that is it's changed our eating habits to some degree, or not our eating habits, but what we eat. For instance, there may be these 25 recipes that we really like and we're using a lot or whatever. But now that it's December in Nashville and we do live here at the moment, we say, okay, well, what are we going to eat now? It's going to change. So we're changing some of that stuff up. The other thing that happened that was a bit more nuanced was some of the things that we're used to getting in packaging, we cannot get in this area or even region without it coming in crazy packaging. It's just impossible. So we have a decision. Do we just compromise that or do we just say, you know what? This is the universe saying, get more creative. (laughs) And this is an opportunity on the other side to find something else, something I can eat that I never would have eaten before and so on. So it it really does kind of foster creativity and uniqueness and enjoyment in our eating. And I've always been a very utilitarian eater until recently. And now I'm learning to dance with my food a bit more and to appreciate it and to be mindful about it and think about where it came from and so on. And, And I really appreciate that again, it's brought another level of kind of sweetness and joy into my life, not pain and sacrifice.
1: Yeah. I can't add anything to that. It's echoing my perspective as well. It's like, all right, if I'm not going to have this, one thing I realized is that in New York City, I can get a mango in virtually any store, any time of the year. Yeah, And people say they travel because they want exotic. Well, in New York City, mangoes are not exotic. Turnips are exotic. Yeah, And what you want to get from travel, I think, people can get in other ways. It becomes, yeah, this it, it prompts you to creativity and to think, okay, so before there are airplanes, was everybody miserable all the time? Is it possible some of them were more happy than we are today that maybe it's not so necessary? And if it's not, then what can I do instead? And that, once you get to that point, suddenly your world becomes a world of opportunity and discovery and creativity and relationships. And you don't have all the stuff to throw out on the ground all this litter because you're valuing your relationships with other people and learning and growing and community type things. And you can say you're on Facebook communities. Yes, there's community there. Face-to-face is, I think it's really a different thing to meet with someone, to be able to touch them and to spin them around on the dance floors. It's tough to do that
0: on Facebook. I agree. I say that now as I'm podcasting with someone over the internet. (laughs) Indeed, yeah. As we're talking, man, I'm thinking again about you know, I'm always kind of looking at the root and looking at like, what is this really about? And what is this? You know, I'm a brand guy, right? So when I think about this and I hear you speaking, and again, you and I have been having this conversation for a long time, but, and it, it's bolstered my journey in this direction too, as I'm, I'm very grateful for. But I think what I find that I experience you doing in this podcast and otherwise is helping to kind of redefine maybe what delicious looks like what a delicious life looks like if you will but it's kind of that like I think what you're doing is really helping people discover maybe their own little delicious dance with food and so on and maybe that's a campaign for you find your own delicious (laughs) I am thinking about it because I I actually was too now we'll talk about that after we get off (laughs) but that's a like that finding man that's actually now if we're going to talk campaigning that's a really beautiful way to frame it it challenges people to say oh what delicious, wonderful life. I thought we were talking about improving my relationship with the planet. That's a different thing in my mind. That's in a different room. And we're saying, no, 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 no. The finding this harmonious relationship with the planet is in the same room that you find this delicious dance. It's it's nice. <laughs> it's and I think not- that's the bridge that has to happen.
1: Yeah, One of the things I've been saying a lot lately is it's not out there. It's in here. Mm-hmm. I say that in the context of travel, like adventure, culture, cuisine. Those things, yes there are some local things. The reason I like Thai food in Thailand is because I guess that if you're going to pick the lemongrass fresh, it's going to be better than if you get it dried and shipped overseas.
0: Yeah.
1: But most things are, as I say, it's not out there. It's in here. If you want adventure, adventure, you can stumble on it if you travel, but you can also create it without traveling. Same with meeting people from different communities and cultures and finding different cuisines. You can create those things. Absolutely. There's a lot of things, you know, for me, changing my behavior with respect to the environment. I keep coming back to delicious because that's where it started for me was I avoiding the packaging led to more delicious, convenient, cheaper, community-based food, and not just community-based, but community creating. And lately, I've also noticed that my burpee routine, which I now call my burpee-based calisthenic routine, my calisthenics that I do every day, it's like usually... 27 burpees, three sets of nine burpees. Then I do a hamstring stretch. Then I do a leg lifts, this, uh, this L-sit. Then I do a bridge stretch. Then I do these rows. And all right, I'm going on for a while, partly because it's like a bunch, but I want to tell you that in my head, I didn't start doing all that full thing. I kept, like I noticed at burpees, they do a lot, but they don't do a pull for your back. So I had to add something in that would do a pull for my back. And then I noticed it didn't have this and I really want to do an L-sit. So I had, and then I had to stretch for that. So I kept adding things in and kept making it more. And some things I add and take out and like, I find that they don't work with it, mm-hmm. but you know, you know, it's this 15 minute routine in the morning, 15 minutes in the evening. It's like five or 10 times more than what I started with. But in my head, it's still 10 burpees. My belief filters my perception, uh, you know, all yeah. of these perceptions. And so for me to do 10 burpees is not a big deal. And in my head, that's what I'm doing. Even though it's almost three times more burpees, plus all this other stuff and other people, I don't know what it looks like for them to choose turnips over mangoes. But to me, it's like discovering, you know, yes, mangoes are sweeter. And look, I go to events and sometimes there's a mango there. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have that mango. I didn't, you know, I like it. It's a yeah. lot less than I used to, but the joy and sweetness and deliciousness in my life is greater. And so this is mental model that happens. Once you start doing it, my experience has been that it kicks in. And look, I do like radish isn't, I don't know. I was
0: going to say radish doesn't, t- it's definitely not as sweet as a mango. Definitely not as sweet, no. (laughs) I love radishes, but it's a different animal for sure. Yeah. I think the perspective stuff on this, I mean, again, we're getting into a a bit of a a nuanced territory here, but I think that's where we find the magic typically. There's a shift in the perspective. Like if you say, hey, I want you to do this for this reason. It's that for that reason, a lot of time is going to have a lot of effect on someone's perspective of what's going to happen there or whether or not they want to engage or be involved with that. What's this for? Like, what is this? Why am I doing this? And if people think that the purpose is to foster this more responsible relationship with the planet, that sounds daunting and sacrificial and so on and so on. Yeah, abstract. Yeah. But if somebody says, hey, brother, I want to help you find your delicious dance with food or (laughs) deliciousness with life or whatever it is, that's a different thing. And they're like, oh, sweet. Where do I sign up, man? How do I get involved with that? That sounds great. And you're like, well, here's some of the things that it involves. Now, people aren't dumb. They see how that works. But I think the reframing of that is very, very important. And I think the more we have repetition of that reframing of the way that we look at this relationship with the planet, like what your show's doing, <laughs> I think that's the way, that's our path. And it isn't immediate. It isn't overnight, but it is the kind of thing that creates that swell that, that transforms our society. And I think that's very important.
1: Yeah, for me, the specific part of reframing is switching the order. It's not starting with a task and then trying to layer on some meaning to it, but to start with the meaning. People who listen to us care about something, and I guarantee it's not what you and I care about. There's overlap, but it's different. And so they have their thing. And anyone listening, you have something that you care about that's gotten you to listen this far. And you cared about that before you ever heard of my name or, or Jared's name or before you ever heard of this podcast. And if something's motivating you, listen to this podcast is one act of, to act on that motivation. I bet there's more stuff in the back of your mind that you're like, oh, you know, I've never done X or I thought it'd be too hard to do Y, or I figured if I did it, people would laugh at me or not take me seriously. All right, well, we're taking you seriously. We're not laughing at you. And we're weird. I mean, we're doing stuff that like a lot of people like, why just get the airplane and go to Hawaii if you want to go to Hawaii. And, you know, maybe you're thinking if I do it, then I'm going to get all out there on the, I'm going to get far out on a limb like they are. But it doesn't feel like you're out on a limb when you're there. You feel like you were out, not on a limb, but you just had really wet socks. (laughs) And (laughs) it just... I can tell you that it just doesn't, it's not worth it to, yep. you can layer, if you actually literally do have wet socks, you can do lots of fun stuff and you can jump up and down and watch a, a movie with lots of action in it. And you can eat food that tastes really like so strong that you don't notice it, but it's there. You know, there's something in the back of your mind. that's like, I've been meant to do X, whatever X is. And now this is like, do it. Like I'm not, I, mean, I don't know what your X is, but there's probably something. If you're listening to my voice now, we're what? An hour, over an hour into this, so we gotta wrap up because now every minute it's like more people are not downloading it that would have otherwise because like ah, oh, it was 45 <laughs> minutes I would have listened to it, but now it's
0: an hour. An hour. Yeah. But, welcome to podcasting. <laughs>
1: so if someone's still listening to us now, they care about something, something motivates you. Yeah. That's what like forget what other people are telling you to do or not. Think of that thing that matters to you. I don't know what it is. I hope it's not something that like really grates with my values. It probably doesn't. Right. That, like, what can you do? What's your what you know, something? Oh, and then you know, I'd like you to go click on commit to a personal challenge at com slash podcast and sign up so that it'll, it'll be publicly available and others can see and you're not the only one who thinks this way and others will like it and then they'll start a discussion when the forum goes up and you'll have a little community. You'll be the leader. Or if you're not, you'll find some others who have been doing it before. If you search through, if by the time you listen to this, there's like lots of people doing this, then you'll find that other people are doing it too and then you, it won't be so weird. You'll feel like, oh, that's what people are doing it. And maybe yeah. they figured out something that you didn't of how to, I don't know some challenge absolutely. I well, I, it,
0: no, it's all good, it's all good. I think I got your new tagline, man. Get out of your wet socks and dance with deliciousness.
1: Yeah, let's <laughs> <laughs> throw it all together. Like, it's
0: like just my put them all together. Put it all
1: together. <laughs> so, yeah. all right, let's wrap up here. And normally, at this point, I like at some point, I ask people more about the details of what's happened, but I think we've covered a lot of stuff. And it sounds like you brought the other people who are affected by this into the process and didn't say, How am I going to solve this so it works out for them? You said, there's this thing. And, you know, you said your
0: wife was on board from the start, but, you know, there's
1: always going to be differences. I
0: mean, obviously with more apprehension, my wife is thinking about the kids and my wife is thinking about the fact that she's the one doing most of the cooking anyway, and so on. So it is different for her. And I want to be very sensitive to that. I think that's important she's the one behind the wheel when it comes to cooking. So when I bring these things to her, I'm like, all right, I recognize this is kind of like your thing. And she loves to do that. And she's amazing chef. So when it comes to, yeah, changing the way we do these things, I want to go to her and say, look, this is my feeling on this. And thank God she has the same feeling, but she has more reasons to be apprehensive than I, because she's the one that actually doing that work. And yeah, so it's, It's been a journey and continues to be a journey. And I feel like in this regard with packaging, we're really, while we probably use a quarter of the packaging that most people do, I still feel like for us, where we're at, it is a bigger challenge. And it's something like, I want to be packageless. (laughs) Like I want to get down to that level. There's no reason we couldn't. And I don't see it as being a sacrifice. And by the way, worth noting, I see it as being less of a sacrifice living on a farm in Kauai. (laughs) So we're adjusting all of our life, even where we live to how do we maintain this, not only this harmonious balance and and, and relationship with the planet, but maintain it in a way that brings us deliciousness. So people out there are thinking, if I don't make a big difference, like these small things
1: really don't matter. The the amount of packaging that you're saving is relatively minor in the whole scheme of things compared to a lot of what a typical American does. But if you measure it in terms of the amount that you change, should you go through the changes that you're talking about? Like if you just measured it in months of, this, you're saying that it's accelerating a decision-making process that will lead to bigger changes. And if you measure it in months of that, doing the little thing brings those things about. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, what I do doesn't matter if it's just these little things, it's what it leads to. And the fastest way, the most efficient way and the most effective way for you to make big changes is to make a change, whatever's accessible. Because if you don't make that change, you're not going to get to the other stuff. Yeah. Get through this as, as a necessary step, probably necessary, to the next things, an accelerating step to the next thing. Because that's what's happening with you. It's like you're talking about major, major changes that wouldn't have happened, what would have happened later otherwise or might not have happened.
0: Yeah, and and when something new comes up, it's like, okay, here's a food discussion. How am I going to handle that deliberately? When we had babies, first thing we had to tackle was diapers. And I did the research on it and I was like, oh my God, I cannot live with myself with each one of my kids. I have three kids. And the average amount of diapers in the landfill during that time is like 6,000 diapers or something like that. Suffice it to say, like a two year, three year period. And I'm like 24,000 diapers sitting in a landfill because of me. I can't do that, man. I can't live with that. So we did cloth diapers for all three kids. I got mm-hmm. the last two are on their way out in the next couple of months. <laughs> and it was challenging, man. Seriously challenging in the beginning. But then for the last couple of years, it's just what we do. It's fine. It's easy. I don't even think about it. We start to change our normal. <laughs> I have a feeling that some sort of, I don't know if this is going to sound too odd, but I'm not a parent, so I don't know.
1: But I'm a feeling that there's like a, a deeper love in the connection. I know it's kind of scatological, but you're closer to your kids. Is that fair to say? Or am I too oddball on that one? No,
0: that's very fair to say. Yes. And I definitely am. There's a every bit of the process with our children is just as deliberate of all the other elements that we've just spoken of. And again, it brings this sweetness of the relationship with my kids. And yeah, there's nothing I'm more grateful for than my deep relationships I have with my kids. And a lot of it has come out of this relationship. I mean, kids are all vegan and, and we did the cloth diapers and there's lots of other things that we do. I mean, we drive the car maybe once a week. So th- there's things like that. that's just like, these are the things that our kids are growing up with. And it, consequently, aside from the fact that I, I think that's a great thing that our kids are going to go forth into the world with these kind of habits and worldview perspective and so on, what you just pointed out is just as important. It also has afforded us as parents, me as an individual, a more sweeter relationship with my kids. Well, we've gone full
1: circle, starting with food packaging, ending with the <laughs> other end of the gastrointestinal tract. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. And I predict that we'll have another conversation. Yes. And i recording and hear how that goes. So do you want to start a new challenge or I suggest we just leave it up in the air, partly because I just started this
0: podcast and I got like 50 to catch up on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No worries, man. I'm sure we'll get to it. I got all kinds of other stuff I want to talk to you about anyway.
1: Yeah. There's this whole thing about how do these societies not grow in population size. This population I've learned a lot things. about
0: population control since you and I talked last. Time. Oh yeah. Oh,
1: then we'll probably end up talking sooner. And I'm Indeed. this book on the, son, the Bushmen in Southern I'm Africa. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. They've been living. I can't stop myself. In this country, if you say alternatives to capitalism, everyone's like communism or socialism, that's it. Okay, so none of these systems have actually existed in like their pure form. It's like capitalism, we have unions and we have all sorts of stuff that's not quite capitalist and governments build roads and things. And then communism, I don't know if communism has ever been practiced. It's just fallen into totality. Okay, (laughs) that's all theoretical talk. Meanwhile, these communities have lived, do you know how long these communities, I was asking you if you knew examples of like island communities that were stable for thousands
0: of years. I was looking know? at hundreds of years, and you said, "Go ahead."
1: Two hundred thousand <laughs> <Yeah>. years.
0: <laughs> yeah, that uh, that was news to me, brother. <laughs> I'm going down the research now. I was looking at the Bushmen and stuff that they were, talks about this morning, actually, because of your email. Yeah, I can't wait to. I've you and uh, I have set up our next conversation.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I've contacted the author, and and when I get the chance, I haven't finished the book yet because naturally it's a library book, and someone put a hold on it, and I had to return it. I was like, damn it, I gotta wait, <laughs> I gotta finish it after someone else gets it. Part so. of the dance. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you very much. I've greatly enjoyed this as always. I knew that it would and never fails to meet and exceed
0: my expectations. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Same goes here, man. I love our conversations together. So thank you. Thanks for opening up this space, man. I think it's important.
1: Thank you. I think you started it. I feel like you started it with your interview style the first time. Oh, wow. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. So we can argue about that some other time. All (laughs) right. So then we'll wrap up and then
0: I look forward to next time. Thanks, man. I do too. Very much.
1: this was an open, honest conversation among people who are making meaningful changes in their lives and enjoying it. People miss the leadership part of the title of this podcast, Leadership in the Environment. It's about joy, meaning, value, importance, purpose, not sacrifice, not just changing things environmentally and feeling that's deprivation. This is about enjoying these things. People who don't change, they want to change without changing, which I call the opposite of leadership. They're like, yeah, I want to be able to fly but not pollute. I want to be able to eat whatever I want without caring about how it affects the environment. That's not leadership. That's stagnation. I hope this conversation shows that you will enjoy changing when it's to live by your values. And I predict that you'll wish you had changed earlier. Yes, you will stop doing things that you currently do that you like. And you might have to start doing things you're not currently doing. But think about great historical change, civil rights, slavery, and so on. People who make big changes are glad that they did. As an aside, I'll also mention that Jared introduced me to people in New York City who held an event where I spoke on leadership in the environment while cooking my famous no-packaging vegetable stew for over 50 people. It was a great experience. So that's what happens when people who have made these changes, and you still have a lot more to go, but who have made these changes get together. Really cool things happen. Did you feel inspired to Then act. Go to joshuaspodek.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse, and living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodakcom slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.